0: time or you've been coming for several weeks and you'd love to get plugged in, whether it's one of the regular life groups that are kind of merged all together or the 20s and 30s uh, life group, we'd love to help you uh, find that. Lisa, who was the interviewer, and Lisa did a, an incredible job, did she not? Yes. <laughs> so, yep, that's Jack, the intern's mom. And so, uh, if you're interested, you could see Uh, Lisa you can also see Christine Sheridan who yep back there in the back so both of them will help you get plugged in you can also do this one of the things we try to do every single Sunday is let you know how you can connect with us as a church and so you can do that on our app which is free Rock Creek Church you can do that at the kiosk out at the front desk give a little bit of information. A couple of you that I've met this morning already filled that out, so I'll be in touch with you this week. We'll grab some coffee or lunch and just let you know what's going on in the life of the church, uh, what we have to offer, and also opportunities for you to plug in uh, to the life of the church as well. And so please uh, join us in connecting. We have an informational meeting uh, after church today uh, that is regarding our being called to serve Uh, missions is a huge part of who we are as a church whether it's uh denver rescue juarez different places in africa by the way if you brought any devices for uh the Dickinsons, you can give them to the montanaries uh they'll receive those and get them over to uh the Dickinsons. but we have a family serve trip that's coming up uh the week of thanksgiving And we are going to be meeting in this room directly after the service, uh, probably 10, 15 minutes after the service ends. And so if you would like to uh, hear some more information, you're curious about it, or you really want to go on the trip, or you have not... Uh, then you can stick around and and plan on being that. So for the rest of you who know you can't go, you don't want to go, you're not ready to go, we're going to ask you to socialize in the lobby area so that we can meet as a Juarez uh, team in here. So one of the things that our life groups do on a regular basis is, uh, as Marcus which was super incredibly weird, uh, holding the deer head. That was awesome. Uh, we have a lot of great food. We have a lot of community building. We talk about the sermons. We pray together. We go through highs and lows together. One of the other things we do is we serve together. And uh, all the life groups will be participating in some form of a serve opportunity uh, throughout the year, too, primarily. And uh, one of our options that we're going to make available to all of the life groups is packs of Hope. And so I'm going to invite my new friend, Amanda, up here. If you would give her a warm round of applause. I'm super sorry about that, Billy. I owe you coffee. I didn't tell him about the microphone ahead of time. There we go. So this is my friend, Amanda. Amanda works with Packs of Hope. And so Amanda, if you could just, first of all, tell us what is Packs of Hope?
1: So Packs of Hope is a nonprofit, and we work with the counties. We work with eight different counties from Greeley all the way down to Colorado Springs. And we provide backpacks for children ages newborn through 17 years old. And we give them the essential clothing and (laughs) toiletry items that they'll need for the first 24 hours of transitioning into their homes. Because most of the kids that are taken out of homes actually only get to go with what they're wearing, which sometimes could be just pajamas. So we want to provide them with the essentials to get through that first 24 hours and really just offer them a little bit of hope and joy in the
0: midst. Great. And it's a backpack similar to this of different styles. Uh, This might bring out your eyes, Grant. So, uh, you know, these backpacks are given to how many different counties are you guys working with?
1: So we work with eight different counties. And then each month we give out about 250 backpacks. Wow.
0: And at this point, so... We all, along with other churches and organizations, show up at a center, a warehouse, where do we show up to help?
1: So we're a part of Foothills Community Church in Arvada, so it's 80th and car, and we are blessed enough to get free space, and it's behind the thrift store that we own that actually helps provide money for us, too.
0: Okay, and so uh, for our church, for our people, do we show up and pack? Do we bring supplies? Do we buy the backpacks? What is our involvement?
1: We just want you to show up. <laughs> we need <laughs> lots of volunteers, and we always have stuff to do, so you guys would come down and you would help us pack these bags or sometimes like now we've just received 600 filled backpacks from a church and then traveler's insurance. And so we need every backpack has to be looked at twice before it goes out to the county, just so that there's consistency with it. So you guys would be helping us pack and check and there's all sorts of things for all ages too. We love having little kids. So literally all ages can come and we have something for everybody.
0: Great. And right now presently about how many backpacks do you need to pack? As of right now, do you have a waiting list that you're waiting to pack?
1: So we don't really have a waiting list. What we do is each month we contact the counties and they tell us how many they need. So it's usually about 250, but we um, we have all those backpacks waiting to be awesome. checked. <laughs> so we definitely have a lot. And then if we need, we make them as well.
0: Very wow. very cool. So thank you, Amanda, for being here. We're gonna I'm, I'm gonna have Amanda come back later on in the year uh, once our teams go there and serve. Uh, and get some input. Tell us about this little girl.
1: Oh, this is Mariah. So this is the girl who started it all. Mariah's mom, Michelle Smithling, started Pax Hope ten years ago and she was her and her family were looking to adopt a little girl, well, anyone, a boy or a girl. and Mariah came into their home through the foster care system. and that's where Michelle really felt the Lord calling her to help foster children. and so, Mariah, they later adopted, but she is the inspiration that the Lord sent to them to start Packs of Hope. So she is on all of our stuff, and she's really embarrassed about it now because she's a teenager.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I would imagine so. So uh, if you're new around here, this is a, a little glimpse into the life of our church. We care deeply about the least of these. We do a lot of work with the homeless in Boulder. We also have a great relationship with Boulder County, which is one of your clients that you help serve. Uh, that we host a huge Christmas party that you'll be hearing about from Cindy uh, in the next couple of weeks uh, as we get ready to plan that but also working with orphanages uh, down in Juarez orphanages in uh, Africa as well and so we care about kids deeply and we're super excited to partner with you I'm gonna pray for you and packs of hope and our partnership with you and we're excited to see where this takes us. So uh, God, thank you so much for Amanda. Thank you for her heart Uh, to serve and to care. Thank you for Mariah. Uh, Thank you that you used a little girl in need uh, to spark a movement and uh, what the enemy meant for harm you intended for good. And so we rejoice in that. As we partner uh, with this great organization with through our life groups and with this dear church, we pray that you would bring uh, an enormous amount of fruit to reach kids for Jesus Christ and to provide them with the essentials uh, that we would love and care with the hands and feet of Jesus. Uh, and so thank you. Pray an enormous blessings on Pack of Hope, um, that you would uh, bless that organization, bring more churches, more organizations around there, that they would expand and even add counties, uh, and that it would continue to grow at your will. Uh, and so we, we're grateful uh, for this time. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for being here. Would you give a round of applause? So it's a great, uh, a great thing that we have the opportunity to uh, partner with different organizations, and uh, we continually say it's not about us. It's it's never been about us. We're not focused inward. We're we're always focused outward on who can we serve, who can we take care of, what can we do. That's part of why Juarez uh, this trip that is coming up. So really want to encourage you to come to that. Um, but this morning, if uh, if it is your first time or you've checked it out a, a few times, I actually have a security guard here, Zach. You guys see how Zach is dressed? Stand up, Zach. Uh, so turn around and face everybody. Have no idea what that's about, um, but he knows that if someone rushes the stage, he is supposed to protect me. So don't <laughs> test that. Uh, but if you, this is your first uh, Sunday, I wanna invite you to open up to the book of Habakkuk uh, in the Old Testament. You can also turn on your Bibles uh, on your phones, your iPads. If you'd like a Bible, there's one's in front of you. We're going to be going over this book over the next three weeks. There's three chapters, so we're just going to rifle through uh, this book. But I want to ask you a couple things. Maybe you've noticed that there are some difficult questions in life to answer. I don't know if you struggle with some of these things, but some of these things keep me up At night. In other words, why do they say that an alarm clock is going off when it's really coming on? To anyone. Does anyone know why? Neither do I. Uh, Here's the next question that I've wondered. Why do people say that you drive on a parkway, but you park on a driveway? Anyone. Jesus. Jesus. Thank you, Chase. This is the most important one. I probably will get a few amens. Christy Ellsworth just walked out, so she might give it to me. I know the, the Rowans will. Why do people say, oh, man, I slept through the night like a baby? When everyone knows babies are evil when it comes to sleep. Why do we say that? Oh, I slept like a baby. Really? So you slept awful. Uh, and so I, I wonder, Aaron, how much sleep are you getting, buddy? Dude, I got like seven hours left. Oh, Way to blow my analogy. You're dismissed. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, if you were struck with kids like me, you suffered uh, and got through it. I did not sleep like a baby. When I was at the police department, I slept like a baby uh, terribly. Uh, And so I wonder some of these things, but you know what? The book of Habakkuk is filled with a lot of questions. And so we're going to walk through this book a little bit to ask some of these questions it's habakkuk unless you're the intern jack who refers to it as habakkuk and so uh, whichever camp you're in we're still studying it uh it is habakkuk and this guy wanted to know one primary question and that is this maybe you've asked this before why doesn't god seem fair why are there times when god just doesn't seem fair. Maybe you've asked this before in your own life uh, during a certain circumstances or or life events, and, and, and maybe you've not verbalized it, but you've internalized it. You've thought it before. And in fact, if we look at uh, verses two and three of chapter one, you see Habakkuk asking this version of a question. He wants to know, how long, O Lord? How long must I call for you to help, but you don't listen? Or I cry out to you when there's violence, when you don't even save. Why do you make me stare at? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrong? Why do you tolerate things that are obviously against you and against your heart? Why do you put up with bullies? Why do you do this? What's the deal? And now, if you fast forward through the Old Testament and you get through the New Testament and you get to our times, you will find that often people are asking very similar questions. Maybe you've asked some of these God, why is it that evil people seem to prosper and that for good people, nothing seems to go right? What's the deal? Why is it that I work so hard and I'm honest, I live with integrity and yet the guy that's over there who's kissing up and cutting corners seems to get the promotions? What's the deal? Why is it that the person who gets into all sort of bad stuff lives till they're 102 and yet the person who loves you and is raising their family gets struck by a car and killed at 42? What's the deal? God, why is it that we try and raise our kids up according to your word, according to your plan, and our kids go south and don't believe in you, don't trust in you? How come when we try and do what your word says from a financial basis... It seems like we never have enough, we don't have any, and we're constantly in struggle, and yet there's other people completely out there living on their own, living uh, as if they are their own God, and they have more money than they know what to do with. What is the deal? God, why is it that when one person prays, it seems like there's always an answer, and yet when I pray, nothing ever happens? Maybe you've asked some of these questions. How come I have the headaches and anxiety and it just won't go away? But that person had a little ailment and it's gone in a heartbeat. How come I'm the one who battles with depression? God, it seems like you could do something. It seems like you could intervene. It seems like you could rest your hand upon my situation, but you don't. So what gives Maybe you've asked some of these questions, or maybe you have felt guilty about asking some of these questions. Maybe you've wanted to ask them, but you don't want to feel unholy coming before God. And so we're going to ask some of these relatable questions. But before we jump in, I want to give a brief background about this incredible uh, book, Habakkuk. Uh, Habakkuk is known as one of the 12 minor prophets. Uh, 12 books in the Old Testament. They're smaller books, uh, minor prophets. Uh, out of all 12 of the authors and the books, Habakkuk is someone who we know the least about. We don't know much about him at all. We know that he used to play an instrument in the temple. We don't know what instrument. We don't even know if he was good. Maybe he wasn't good because eventually they promoted him or just encouraged him to change direction and he, was, he started becoming a priest and a prophet. So we don't know how great he was at the instrument. The book is written about 600 years BC, 600 years before everything begins to change, give or take a little bit. And it was a time, this book is written at a time when there was a ton of corruption, a ton of evil, a ton of violence, lots of anger, lots of anguish. It was not a good time. No matter where you look, there were very few places where you could stare or gaze at in culture, and there was some joy, there was some peace, there was some happiness. In fact, everywhere you looked, there was pain and anguish and things that were wrong. Similar to today, depending on where we look. In fact, if you just turn on the news, they don't even really report good stuff anymore. If, if something great happens or, or some great movement like Packs of Hope, none of that gets reported. It's just bad. Uh, in other words, it, turn on this channel if you just want to be depressed and think that we're awful. Just watch this. And that's similar to the times of Habakkuk. And so God speaks to this prophet and he says this, these people that I love, The people of the land, they're becoming increasingly wicked. They're following their own ways. They're doing whatever they want. And for your own good, Habakkuk, basically, I'm going to punish you. Now, just think about this if you're Habakkuk. Your land is awful. The United States is awful. Everywhere I look, there's bad. So Christus, I'm going to punish you. Not a great message. Not a great message to receive from the Lord. But God goes on to say, but what you need to understand is, I'm I'm going to even go double down on this. I'm going to take far worse people than you, those who are much more evil than you, and I'm going to use them to destroy you. Now, think about it, if you're Habakkuk, what your response is. If, if I'm Habakkuk, I go, time out. Maybe you're not hearing me right. I love you. I worship you. In fact, I tell everybody about you. I know there's a lot of evil people, but maybe you got the message wrong. I'm not the one that should be being destroyed. There, there are other bad people out there. And God has not misspoken. And that's why perhaps Habakkuk's name means to embrace or to wrestle or to struggle. And what we're going to see is what we're going to watch Habakkuk wrestle with God. And we're going to watch him embrace God through some unbelievably difficult times. My hope is this, as we walk through these three chapters of Habakkuk, I don't in any way ever want to stand up here and portray that life is rosy. That life is just a piece of cake, especially if you trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Life's just going to be easy. That you're not going to have any hard times, that you're not going to have any anxiety, you're not going to have any fear, you're not going to have to step out in faith, like you're just going to coast. Because that's not the case. You guys with me? Okay, so that's the foundation that we've built. Let's dive in. I want to read Habakkuk uh, chapter 1. Habakkuk chapter one, it says the oracle that Habakkuk, the prophet saw, the the Hebrew word for oracle is masa. Everybody say masa. Masa. Everyone say it again. Masa. Okay. This is an oracle. Can anybody tell me what an oracle is? It's a message. And in this particular instance, it's not a good one. It's a burden. It's, it's not something that's going to go well. It's kind of a dooming message. Verse two, oh Lord, this is Habakkuk's complaint to God. O oh Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear or, or cry to you violence and you don't save? Why do you make me see iniquity or violence? And why do you look idly at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise, so the law is paralyzed, and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted, and the Lord decides he's going to answer Habakkuk. Look among the nations and see, wonder and be astounded, for I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. For behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nations, other words referred to as the Babylonians. They march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings, not of their own. They are dreaded and fearsome. Their justice and dignity go forth from themselves. Remember, God's raising up this people. Their horses are swifter than leopards. In in those times, a lot of the armies, they didn't have horses. Well, the Babylonians did, so they could get in and and attack and then get out and regroup and then attack again and then regroup and attack again. Very few others had them. They fly in like an eagle swift to devour. They all come for violence in their faces forward. They gather captives like sand. At kings, they scoff, and at rulers, they laugh. They laugh at every fortress, for they pile up earth and take it. Then they sweep by like the wind and go for the guilty men whose own might is their God. Keep in mind, Habakkuk has just said, hey, why is this all going on? It doesn't seem quite right. And now he's essentially saying, I'm going to use terrorists to destroy you. Probably not the message Habakkuk's looking for. So what does Habakkuk do? Something we could probably learn from. He complains again verse 12. Are you not from everlasting, O Lord, my holy one? We shall not die, O Lord. You have ordained them as a judgment, and you, O rock, have established them for reproof. You, who are are pure eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong, why do you look idly at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he. You make mankind like the fish of the sea, like crawling things that have no ruler. He brings them all up with a hook and he drags them out with his net. A little fishing story there for you. He gathers them up in his dragnet so he rejoices and is glad. Therefore, he sacrifices to his net and makes his offerings to his dra- dragnet. For by then he lives in luxury and his food is rich. Is he to, to keep on emptying his net and merciless killing nations forever? A little conversation that's going on here. Habakkuk is not happy. He's ticked off, if you would. But he's also praising God. He's acknowledging who God is, but at the same time going, this doesn't make any sense. And so right off the bat, we see Habakkuk has three significant problems with God. And maybe you have once had some of these problems with God. First, you don't seem to care. It doesn't seem like you even care, God. I read that you care. I've heard that you care. I've even sung that you care. But it doesn't seem like you care. You're letting all these things go on in the world that just don't seem right. That's his first beef with God. Number two, you aren't doing much when I know you could. I know that you could intervene. I know that you could step in. I know you could make a difference. Now, the great thing about this is there is some beauty in here because there's respect and there's questions. As if to say, God, I know that you're all-powerful. I know that you have all the abilities in the world. I know that you can do these things, but I don't know why you won't. It doesn't make sense to me. If you've, if you've had kids uh, or been around, bless you, been around someone with kids and they go through difficult times, it's the most excruciating thing to watch. And we pray and we pray and we pray for our kids and, It just seems like God isn't doing what we know he could do. And that's his second beef with God. And then the third beef with God is uh, what you are doing doesn't seem enough. And in fact, doesn't even seem fair. Are you kidding me? You're raising up the Babylonians to destroy me? That shows your power. That shows your authority. But no offense, God, it seems like you're off a little bit. In other words, looking at God and saying, hey, if I were in your shoes, I would probably do things a little bit differently. Maybe you've wondered that about your own life. And maybe you have even felt guilty about wondering that. Why did life events happen this way? God, if I were in charge, I probably wouldn't have allowed that. Can I just give you a a breath of freedom? It's okay to ask God that. It's okay to ask him questions and to doubt and to wonder and pose those things. God, that's okay. Be honest right now. You don't have to raise your hand. You know who you are. How many of you have been in a place in life? Maybe you're here today feeling this way, and you're saying, God, if, if I'm honest with you, I don't like the way you're doing this. I don't like how life's turning out. I don't like how my life is right here and right now. There's some things I don't like about it. And I know you have all the power to change it, and you won't. So now we have to deal with that, God. And it's okay, because there's times when questioning God could become a significant part of your journey. In fact, I want to encourage you to question God. Question what's going on in life, because then you can hear from him. Now, caveat to that, you might not like the answer, but it's okay to ask. It's okay to wonder. It's also okay to hurt before God. Read the Psalms sometimes. Fully read the Psalms. One third of the Psalms... Are, are people crying out to God going, what is going on? One third of the entire book. God, are you going to rescue me? Are you just going to leave me laying here forever? Are you just going to let me sit here and rot? Seriously, God? Read the book of Job. Read the book of Lamentations. Lamentations. These are godly people who at their very heart are crying out saying, God have mercy on me. I'm doing everything that you said to do and life's not turning out right. And if you don't believe that, then skip over to the New Testament and and take a look at Jesus when he's hanging on the cross. I've done everything right I'm sinless. I've never spoken an ill word to someone. And not only am I hanging on the cross, but you're going to turn away from me because something great is going to happen. That's what causes Jesus to, to cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And in the garden for him to say, God, if there's any other way for you to accomplish that, please do that. It's something we can all relate to. I relate to it every day with Sandy's pain. And even all afternoon yesterday, picking up dead apples in our backyard and Sandy just crying the whole afternoon because of pain. And scared to go to Juarez because what if the pain flares up? What do I do? God, I know you could reach down and touch her and she'll never feel pain again. Why the heck don't you? But I trust you. And to be able to have that same conversation in the same breath is nuts. In fact, many people are afraid to bring their honest questions before God. Many of us are afraid to to stand before God and go, I don't get it. Why in the world would you allow missionaries overseas to be slaughtered? God, I don't get it. Why in the world would you allow my kid to struggle at school? God, I don't get it. Why would you allow these perverse peoples to rise up in power and prestige and then those over here who are submissive and surrendering before you always seem to struggle? I don't get it. And I would suggest that sometimes this place that we find ourselves in is a very, very important part of our faith journey. In fact, I would even go as far as to say it's a critical place for us to come in our faith journey, taking honest questions before God. And here is where a lot of people are in chapter one. You've got some beef with God, things aren't making sense, it doesn't seem right. And what do you do? This is a question for all of us. We all have to wrestle with this. What do we do when what we see with our eyes is so different than what we believe in our heart? Are you with me? Or or what do we do when what we feel in our bodies or we experience circumstantially is so radically different than what we believe in our heart? In other words, I believe God is a God of peace. And yet, why is it that I look around and I don't see peace? I believe a God, that God is a God of answering prayer and listening to hearts of his people. So when I pray for our kids that they would have peace and be protected at school, I see them not having peace and not being protected at school. What do I do with that? Are you with me? Because it's easy to stand up here and, and just say everything's just rosy. Just read the Bible and all is good. Problem is I just don't see that in the Bible. Sometimes all isn't good and God's okay with that. Because God might be lovingly allowing you to go through a season of doubts and fears and questions and insecurities because he needs that to be done so that he can do the thing in you. And I don't know how long I can't even explain to you why. But sometimes in order for God to shape and mold our lives so that his will is accomplished in us, sometimes he allows us to go through those very, very dark and hard, challenging times because otherwise we would not come out of it the way that he wants us to. And that's a hard place to be some of you right now, or if you're listening online, you're in chapter one of the book of Habakkuk. You don't know what you believe right now because you've got a lot of questions. You have a lot of struggles. You have a lot of what ifs and whys and, and couldn't this have been done another way? And why didn't you interject? And why didn't you do this Lord? And what happens is too many people find themselves in chapter 1 of the book of Habakkuk and they walk away. They just they they choose to just not throw a fit, not ask questions, but just walk away. And let me tell you this very plainly. Chapter 1 is all about wondering, God, where are you and what are you doing? And that's a very important part of your faith journey. That's where Habakkuk was. And look at God's response in verses 5 through 11. Look back with me at the scriptures. Verses 5 through 11, God says, Habakkuk, you want an answer? You have a complaint and you would like to hear back from me? Okay, I'm going to answer you. And here it is. Look at the nations and watch and be what? Say it aloud. You were very eloquent in your complaint, Habakkuk. Well done. You want to hear my response? I'm going to very specifically answer your question. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly Amazed, for I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. I am even going to use the Babylonians. That's crazy talk for Habakkuk. Think of your worst enemy. Think of the U.S.'s worst enemy. Think of the worst thing that co- could come into your home. Think about that thing for for Habakkuk. That's the Babylonians. You gotta be kidding me. I just poured out my heart to you and now you're saying you're gonna use the boogeyman. With all due respect, God, you're really not making much sense. So what do you do when you want to believe but you have so many questions? Students especially, what, what do you do when you want to believe with all your heart? You want to be sold out for Jesus. You want to be a lover of God, but you still have so many questions. What do you do? And here's what Habakkuk teaches us. You express coinciding questions and faith. You ask the questions with your faith. Together unapologetic for either, and you bring them before God, a deeply committed follower of Jesus at the same moment can believe in God and yet still be a little unsure. Are you okay with that? Too often in the church for hundreds or thousands of years, it was with the understanding or with the teachings, if you question a little bit, maybe you aren't saved. And let me just tell you, that's not true. Bring your questions with your faith and you'll find a loving father going, let's sit, let's talk. And I hope hope that brings you some peace this morning. It's okay for Sandy in our backyard picking up rotten (coughs) apples to look to the sky and go, I don't get it, God, but I trust you two weeks ago, our family was on a hike uh, at El Dorado Springs on Rattlesnake Gulch. And if, how many of you guys have ever done that Rattlesnake Gulch Trail? Pretty, pretty great one. Takes you up to take a look. You can just gaze out at, over at the Continental Divide. It's beautiful. And uh, we went up and it took us probably, well, a long time to get up because we had to keep stopping. And Everybody needed to catch their breath and rub their legs and drink some water and stare at squirrels and whatever else we do that takes us forever. Uh, and but the kids hung in there. Our whole family did it from Max all the way up to Naomi, and we just kept going, kept going, kept going. We finally got there, spent some time out at the lookout point, took a bunch of uh, pictures. It was a gorgeous day, not too hot, not windy. It was just great. And uh, before we started heading back down the trail, I I said, Hey, listen, family meeting right here. Listen. Going down is going to be a little bit easier in a lot of ways. You're not probably going to want to stop because you're not going to be winded. It's going to be easier on your legs. You're probably not going to feel thirsty, but go ahead and take a drink. A lot of those struggles going up are not the struggles going down. But I said, here's the biggest danger. It's easy to slip because of loose gravel and the slant. So bend your knees, be careful. Don't go too fast. Everybody hands in raw. Let's go. So we started down the mountain. And uh, Max and, and I and our lab were about 50 yards in front of Sandy, and I'm going to miss somebody. Sandy and Luke and Seth and Naomi. And so they were back and we were going. We were about halfway uh, down when I heard a blood curdling scream from Sandy and Naomi saying, Brian, now. And my first thought was someone fell and hit their head and they're unconscious, or someone was bit by a rattlesnake. Uh, Two unbelievable fears when you're on a hike, right? You don't want either of those to happen. You don't want anything to happen. And so I dropped our dog, Cash, and let go of Max's hand and began to run and already praying, please don't let it be a head or a snake bite. And as I got to Seth, I've saved you pictures, so I'm not going to show them on the screen. When I got to Seth, he had about a three-inch gash on his knee ripped open down to the bone and ligaments and you could almost yodel it was it was so deep of a cavern and sandy can you please stand so everyone can see your shawl sandy is about this white thank you and so i run up to seth and my first thought immediately was thank god no head injury." no snake bite. i had asked Sandy like five times, did he hit his head? Did he get bit? She doesn't remember any of that. Um, And so I knew I needed to get pressure. So this was unbelievably humbling for me, maybe not for some of you gentlemen, but I took my t-shirt off uh, and wrapped it around his knee as tight as I could. Now, for some of you, you'd be like, "Yeah, now I get to expose myself." For me, I'm like, "Oh, jeez," all right. <laughs> so I'm like, "This is not a good thing." Hopefully, no one else is hiking this unbelievably busy state park. And uh, so I I tighten it up, and Seth is turning white and he's getting sleepy. And I didn't know the extent of the damage uh, to his knee, so I had to keep it perfectly straight. Couldn't fireman carry him? Couldn't backpack carry him? So I I put his Legs perfectly straight on this arm. And then I held his back on this arm. And we were still probably 35 minutes up into the canyon that we had to get out. And uh, I just began to walk. And I uh, started going down and I began to just talk with Seth because he was getting sleepy. I said, let's pray together. And as I walked down, I began to have uh, a conversation with God, much like Habakkuk. I asked God, why Seth? Why in this world did this happen to this poor kid? He wasn't goofing around. He wasn't screwing off with his brothers, which is a shocker. He just <laughs> fell over. He's got, is Naomi in here? He's got Naomi syndrome. He just like fell over <laughs> and just right landed on a rock and, and <coughs> shaved it all the way down internally just above the tip of the um, patella tendon. And as I carried him, I asked a ton of questions to God, and I was not happy. Like, God, we were having a great day. We were, we were doing great. Why in the world did this happen? And at the same time, I was praying, God, I know you can heal him. I know you can make sure he's okay. But I had this back and forth with God, and I'm sure I confused Seth because on one minute, I had unbelievable faith and praise and worship, and the other minute, I'm like, you got to be kidding me, God. And that's what kept us going, and I kept him talking. And, and uh, some of you have asked, did you just hike straight down? Heck yeah, I didn't stop for one minute, I'm a man. Actually, I stopped like eight times. <laughs> uh, found the biggest rock I could, and I'm like, ah, ah. and I'd catch just enough breath to keep going, and then I'd stand up, and you know, hikers are great. They're like, is everything okay? And here's me, red, as Shane, stand up. Go ahead and stand up, Shane. See, there's Shane's shirt. That was my face. And I'm drenched. I'm overweight without a shirt on. My kid's leg is mangled like a shark bite. And I'm probably white with big eyes walking. And they're like, hey, is everything okay? And I just go, nope. And I'll just keep on walking, right? As if they want to like talk about the injury. Hey, is everything okay? Like where did it happen? How did it happen? Nope, he's not good. We're going. And so we just had this conversation with God, And it took everything in me not to tear up with Seth because I had to be strong for him. But it was a bad injury. And everything's going through my mind from steel plates to screws to titanium rods. I have one. I didn't want us to be twinsies. <laughs> All of this is going on. Begging. And believing. Believing and asking God to overcome my unbelief. All of this in the same prayer time. The short story is we, we finally got down. I only slipped once where I thought I was going to die. And got him in the car, took him to the hospital, and he got 16 stitches, but he no knee damage, uh, no ligament damage, no bone damage. And he's back to his squirrely self. little gimpy, but he's back. (coughs) Begging God for answers to my questions and giving him my faith. And friends, especially parents, sometimes you just got to do both. Some of you single parents, sometimes you just got to do both. You got to question, you got to seek answers, And you've got to give faith. And I don't know where life has you right now, but God might be saying to you this morning, I'm going to do something in you that you wouldn't believe if I told you. And you're going through this because I've got great plans. And even if I told you, you wouldn't believe it. (coughs) And that is exactly what God and Habakkuk are going to wrestle with in our book. Some of you are right now in chapter one, and you're hopefully questioning and showing faith. And I've got a little bit of bad news for you. Chapter two doesn't get much better. Sometimes we read the scriptures and we read a difficult passage, but we know there's hope coming. Chapter two doesn't get much better. Number one, you're wondering. Number two, you're waiting and waiting and waiting. And waiting. And in chapter three, if you continue to stick with God, you will come to a point that no matter what you see around you, you'll worship God. No matter what. And maybe it's through tears, maybe it's through a clenched mouth, maybe it's with a fist in the air, but you will doggone, you will worship God no matter what. And so, what do you do if you are those? In chapter one, as we get ready to, to worship. What do you do? You okay, that's great. Chapter two is going to get worse. What do I do? I'm in chapter one right now. I'm questioning, I'm asking. You may wrestle with God, and that means no matter what you have going on around you, here's what you do. You ready? You hold on. you hold on for dear life. You ask those questions. You wrestle with God. You express faith. And doggone it, you hold on. And you refuse to let go. Because you know he's not going to let go of you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. It might feel like it sometimes. But you hold on. Because sometimes that's all you can can do. Is to use Habakkuk's name and that is to embrace him. Sometimes that's all you got. And for those of you that sometimes feel like you're alone in that, I'm sorry, you're not. But I'm sorry that you feel that way sometimes. We we could literally uh, take a survey of this entire room and there will be different struggles. There will be different life situations. You will feel like I'm the only one. You're not. You have a God that stands right next to you. And sometimes it is difficult even to utter the words of hope and truth and life. Sometimes it is gut-wrenching to even say the words, it is well with my soul. And God is okay with that being a struggle. Please know that to the heart of your hearts. He knows it's not always easy. He knows it can be a struggle. He knows it can be a struggle even to say the words, much less believe them. He knows that he knows that he knows. And so let's do what what is the only appropriate thing we can do and that's let's praise him. Let's worship him. Let's be strong for each other. Let's be strong for the other. And let's elevate Jesus Christ to his rightful place. Would you please stand? Let's pray together. So God, we do that. We we join with Habakkuk. We join with this man who brought a lot of questions, looking for a lot of answers before you saying things don't quite make sense. Your plans don't quite make sense to what the needs are of your people. And at the same time, expressing faith, the power, the authority, the will of God. And so we do that collectively. We, we come to you in worship. We come to you as a church family. We come to you with praises, but we also come to you with some questions. So thank you that your shoulders, your cross is strong enough for our questions. Help us to approach you with all the boldness in the world, but to also remember who we're speaking to. So in our own ways, please hear our worship. In Jesus' name, amen.